Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe you consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air and become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today and thank you welcome to real ghost stories online call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com you're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead this is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, after a sudden, untimely death of a teen, friends gather to mourn and say goodbye, but what they don't expect is to have their late friend stop by. A pet lover returns to escort his beloved pets to the other side. A Victorian hand mirror may hold the secret to a haunting by the lady known as Linda. Is this kind of feeding to your haunted mirror? I stories? don't know. Maybe. Okay. And fraternity boys get more entertainment than they're looking for when they visit a real life monster house. Is this like the monster house, like the the animated movie? When I read the story, that's immediately what I thought of. Really? So that's why I kind of threw that in there. So it's like a real life version of that. That was a pretty creepy house. Yeah, well. When you think of it. Have to hear the story. All right. Those stories, your calls, and more tonight. Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. Welcome uh, to the new year as we continue on. Uh, it feels good. Uh, again, I know we talked about it last night, but just to be back into the normal swing of doing the show. It does. I'm, you know, I have no use for winter from after Christmas till yeah. March. <laughs> so this part of the year is always a little tougher for me, but... It does feel good to just get back to normal. And we're we're slowly getting back into the regular swing of the things. We can start counting down to Halloween again soon now. Hey, April, I start doing it. April six months <laughs> till Halloween. What was I think we started working on like gravestones for the front yard and what? Like June-ish? Yeah. Right around there we bought the wood to make them and mm-hmm. they were getting the spray paint and all that together. So yeah, we're getting close. I remember <laughs> at our first date we ever had. Yeah was in April and we were discussing Halloween. Yes. Yes, we were. So. It's one of those things that uh, just was a uh, an immediate strong bond, <laughs> if you will, was the uh, the Halloween chatter 
but uh, yeah, I'm excited. We were, uh, and, and the whole new year, new Halloween, new holidays, all that stuff ahead of us. So yeah, good stuff. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into the show at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can always write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button and share your ghost story with us. And if you like the show, of course, be sure to tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook or Twitter, Pinterest, whatever the case may be. Your support is what keeps our show alive and helps us grow. Kicking off the show tonight with a letter from Jay. Jay writes, and I've been listening for a few months and absolutely love the show. Keep up the good work by way of background. I like to think of myself as a logical person. That's probably a result of what I do for a living. And while I believe that there are unexplainable things in this world, I also believe that there is a logical explanation behind many of the paranormal stories that people tell. Onto my story. When I was in high school, a very close friend was killed in a car crash. She had a large group of friends, and we all got together the night after she died and stayed the night together at one of our friends' home. While together, we shared stories of our friend who had died and generally consoled each other as many of us were having a hard time with her passing. All of us stayed together that night and the next day. The following night, we all went over to another friend's home to spend the night there and continue just being in each other's presence. That night, as I lay down on the floor of my friend's basement the next morning, I woke up and looked over towards a sliding glass door that was located in the basement. Now, I know for certain that I was wide awake and fully aware of my surroundings. When I looked towards the door, I saw the girl who had died. She was standing next to a computer desk and directly in front of the sliding glass door. She was standing over all of us, looking and smiling. Immediately upon seeing her, I got a feeling of peace, calm, and just the feeling that everything was going to be okay. She disappeared immediately after I saw her, and I settled back down to where I was laying. She returned to me in a dream a few months after that, but I will save that story for another time. Again, love your show. Look forward to hearing uh, you read this on the air. Thanks for reading. I'm glad seeing the friend brought peace rather than fear, but it's still such an overwhelmingly sad situation. I just... I don't know. I don't know if that would bring peace to me to actually see the dead friend. <coughs> would you freak out? If I'm in a room full of other people, I would try not to. Okay. I don't know that I would privately freak out, but um, I would try, and just for everybody else's sake, not, not freak out. Would having the other people there be calming to you, or would you be not freaking out just essentially trying to save face in front of your friends. It's not so much to save face as how do you tell a group of grieving friends, hey, I just saw so-and-so. She's by the window. <laughs> Assuming that you're the only one that sees her. Right. Okay, I got it. Right. Okay. So sure. I wouldn't want to do that to my friends. Okay. Because there could either be the fear, there could be um, sure. the resentment and jealousy that they didn't get to see her too. Yeah. So I just wouldn't even want to go there. I would just pretend, okay, yeah, that's for me, but that's, I'm not going to share that. Okay. What about you? Assuming that no one else in the room could see the person, knowing me, I'd be very open about it and I'd be like, oh my God, there she is. Yeah. That's just me. And I, I would, I'd be reacting before I was thinking. Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh my God, no one else sees her. They think I'm crazy. But I've already reacted. Or you're the ultimate 
a-hole because you're making a joke out of somebody that just died. And I'm really not making a joke. No, but yeah. that's how it would be taken. Yeah, exactly. So. that That's how I am, though. I'm very just, I'm quick to share. You are. <laughs> like, information that's like neat or shocking or or really of any importance it's just i'm not i'm not a good secret keeper if you will no i'm really not i'm not the person to keep a secret which is probably a good thing you know we, you know and i'm not either but i know sometimes because you're so much worse at it than i am i have yeah. to hang on to information just a little bit longer before i share it with you why because you're afraid i'm going to share it yeah <laughs> like what <laughs> I don't have an example no. offhand, but just little things. I'm very much just bad. That's just how I've always been. I just, I don't know. I feel better just not being behind anything, I guess, for lack of a better term. You know, or like, I, I don't like things building up in front of me and the people that I care about. Yeah. I, I, I'd rather not have anything that I like have to live around or not tell them. You know, sure. I'd just be like, yeah, here's everything. Deal with it. <laughs> I'm more the kind um, Let's just withhold this piece of information For everybody's sake So it doesn't start World War III Well kind of yeah person. I mean if there's something horrible like that But I, I just I try to avoid having things like that Yeah You know 855-853-4802 That's our phone number here At Real Ghost Stories Online A listener in Virginia writes in What an interesting first name that is that's just what they wanted to go I know. by. It's an Orthodox Christian tradition that the dead are allowed to roam the earth for 40 years after their death. Really? I didn't know about that one. 40 days. Oh, days. I'm sorry. Damn. Years. Nope. Days. It's a tradition? I didn't know this either. I honestly did not research it, but I thought it was an interesting story that the listener shares. I had not heard that before. That's... I'm not discounting it. I've just, I'd never heard that before. That's interesting. There are many stories of the dead visiting relatives with the news of their death. Although this tradition is for people, it may also be true for animals. Many of the stories that have been heard on your show, these visitations tend to enforce the belief that there is life after death. I've had several visitations of loved ones, both human and non-human, that have manifested themselves within the 40-day period or longer. I'll tell you a short story about two of them. I met Vivian many years ago in church. She was an older lady with family ties in the area. She was a character to remember. She loved me and I loved her. I called her mom because my own mother was in another state and later died. I was in need of a mother in my life. She often referred to me as her daughter to strangers. She always smoked cigarettes and was a diabetic, but she did not care about the health consequences of smoking or going off of a good diabetic diet. She was a widow and missed her husband to the point of tears when she spoke of him. She was a generous woman and spent her money on her family and friends, whether they deserved her generosity or not. We'd talk in church casually, and then one day she gave me a personal profession of hers, a diamond, a possession of hers, a diamond anniversary ring. I was hesitant to accept such an expensive gift. However, I did after she insisted. She joked that we were now engaged. Seriously, though, she said when I wore this ring, it would remind me of her, and it does every day. Vivian moved back to the state of Connecticut to live near her, her, to live near her daughter. She was looking for happiness and hoped to be needed by her daughter. 
Instead, it was a bittersweet experience. I wanted to visit her in Connecticut, but my finances and time would not permit it. I've always regretted not going to see her. We'd talk on the phone and I could tell she was lonely. In her last year, she was without enough money to live well, and when she died, there was no obituary. One of the last things she said to me was that I would know when she died because the phone calls would stop and she would send me a sign. She'd fill my house with cigarettes. She knew I hated cigarette smoke, and this would be a funny prank. I believe she died in the month of December. I received several phone calls that I knew were from Vivian, but when I answered the phone, there was just dead air on the line. We do not have caller ID. I sometimes know who is calling on the phone before I answer it. This was my first clue that she had died. Nothing else happened until December of the next year. I hadn't heard a word from Vivian and I was convinced she had died. Without warning, the house, especially the kitchen, filled with overpowering odor of cigarette smoke. My husband smelled the cigarette smoke also. I turned the stove vent on and the smoke out loud and, the, and spoke out loud. We do not smoke in this house to whoever, to whoever was visiting from the other side. My house is over 35 years old and has been owned previously by other families. I did not think of Vivian at first until I remembered what she said she would do to let me know she was dead. She must have laughed at my duh moment. Since that time in December, I have smelled a woman's perfume waft through the house, and I often wondered if it's Vivian. It has been several years now without another appearance of Vivian or cigarette smoke. I'm sure she knows that I received her message that there's life after death. I believe Vivian and I have a special bond through the diamond anniversary ring and my thoughts about her when I look at it. I hope she's happily reunited with her late husband. My second story is about another unseen visitor from church. I'll call him Wallace. Wallace and his wife were friends of ours. When Wallace was diagnosed with a terminal condition, he asked his wife to euthanize their four elderly cats. The cats had various health issues, and his wife was allergic to them. He knew she could not care for them. He had been the sole caretaker of the cats. Upon his death, she could not bring herself to euthanize the cats. Instead, she asked us if we could take the cats and have them humanely euthanized. We agreed before seeing the cats. After seeing them and assessing their age and health, we decided that they were healthy and not ready to die. We took them to the veterinarian instead for evaluation. They were healthy enough for old cats. They became a part of our family. Although it was very hard to care for them because we also have a small animal rescue with many old and sick animals to care for. During the first week after Wallace's death, my husband and I were watching television and when I looked up and towards the front door, nothing was there. However, Puffy, our 12-year-old Pomeranian, stood at attention at the door. What are you giggling about? That's just a cute name. <laughs> Puffy! <laughs> I, I could have said it like that. I'm glad you didn't. I had a cat named Scruffles, so I can't say anything. No. And I, 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 I named my cat Scruffles just kind of out of humor to all the, you know, silly pet names. I'm like, I'm going to pick the most ridiculous cat name I can possibly think of. Scruffles. You know Scruffles? She's still alive. Continuing on. His body shook from fear. I grabbed him in my arms to comfort him. Puffy continued to stare at the door and shiver. I told my husband that Wallace was here looking for his cats. Since euthanizing his cats was a final request, I wondered if 
He was angry that we did not euthanize them as he requested. I called out, Hello, Wallace. While my husband said, Everything is okay. We have your cats and we'll take good care of them. Don't worry about them. After a while, Puffy stopped shivering. We felt Wallace had gone. Within a month, one of Wallace's cats unexpectedly died. Subsequently, the next month, after another of his cats died, my husband and I felt that Wallace wanted at least two of his cats in heaven with him, and he chose these two. The other two cats remain alive and healthy and are a loving part of our family. For 40 days, we felt Wallace's presence many times. Our dog, Puffy, would alert us with his usual staring and shivering. Each time we felt Wallace's presence, one of our rescue animals would die. It finally came to the point where we had to address Wallace and ask him not to visit us anymore. We didn't know what the correlation with Wallace's visits and the deaths of the rescue animals was, but it seemed more than a coincidence. We stopped feeling Wallace's presence after we made a request. It is our sincere hope he has found rest on the other side and has the company of his two cats. I feel these two stories reinforce the idea that there is life after death, which has been a question I had on my mind for years. We have also had sightings and visitations of our departed and beloved cats and dogs, but I'll tell their story another time. I would come back to get my pets if they died after me. Would you, you come back and kill your pets? I wouldn't kill them. I think I, I understood the story a different way, or at least that part of the story. I understood it maybe more as he knew it was their time and came back to take them home. Okay. Not just, here I am. You like show up like cats. the Grim <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Let me put a little arsenic in your friskies. No, and I, I get the feeling maybe the author of the story thought that they didn't want him coming around because the animals died when he came around. Mm -hmm. I think it was more just my gut saying he knew when it was their time and he came to take them home. We have stories of human ghosts mm -hmm. that do the same thing for humans when they die. Sure. And he sounds like he was obviously an animal lover. Mm -hmm. He's a lover, not a killer. <sighs> Thank you for that. <laughs> what? You're just a cornball, that's all. <laughs> That's what he is. Okay. And he wears gold chains, too. And I'm a lover, not a killer. It's a lover, not a fighter, though, isn't it? I don't know uh, what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. I don't think he was actually coming back and euthanizing the cats himself. Although, what an odd request. When I die, kill the pets. <laughs> I think That's it, not in my will. No, but, I mean, he said his wife was allergic and sure. four cats is quite a bit to deal with when you're allergic <laughs> but how did he expect her to euthanize the cats i mean did he have like instructions like drown them in the bathtub <laughs> no i'm sure it was just like take them to the vet and have them put to sleep because they're oh, okay. old all right vets will do that if they're in older health and but what if they're not old i mean then you find other homes for them well will they will they euthanize like any pet you take them if you tell them to euthanize the pet i i don't think so, but I'm not positive. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's an interesting story. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm going to go more with what you're saying, and I think that's more comforting than he came back to kill the cats. No, he wouldn't. No. Just be he like, loved the cats. I'm going to go kill an animal today. <laughs> he you loved know? them, yeah. 
I agree. 855-853-4802 is her number. If you want more ghost stories, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get a bonus episode of the show every single week and have access to our complete archive of past EPP episodes and videos. Right now, sitting at 19 full-blown great episodes of the show. Only our EPPs have heard. You can hear it, too, if you become an EPP. It's five bucks a month. You support the show. You keep us on the air. And you get all those nice little perks. So please sign up. Support the show. Keep us going. Nina writes in, Hello, I'm a first-time writer, but long-time fan of the show. Now, I tend to keep most things that occur in my life within a small group of my friends and family. However, what I'm about to share with you is only out of the intentions that someone out there who is listening to the podcast might be able to shed some light on the situation. This story revolves around a haunted or possibly possessed old Victorian-style handheld mirror my friend received as a present from her uncle, who was an antique dealer. Wasn't this like Snow White? Snow, what was it? That was on the wall. That was a wall mirror. That was a mirror, mirror on the wall. Didn't like one of the princesses have like a hand mirror or something? Probably, but I'm not... I don't know. I get him so mixed up now. There's so many damn princesses. I know. Continuing on. I will mainly be discussing my experiences with a mirror, considering my friend has yet to tell me the things she has dealt with, and she becomes rather shaken whenever the mirror is brought up in any kind of conversation. The only bits of information I have gotten from her was that whatever was attached to the mirror was an older woman dressed in Victorian clothing with her hair pulled back in a bun. And she had a strong urge to call the woman Linda. Now, onto my experiences, they always seemed to start in a similar manner, which was when I entered the house itself. Whenever I walked through the front door, it felt as if I was met with a wall of overwhelming negative emotion. And the atmosphere was always heavy, almost as if someone was pushing down on me. The odd thing about it, though, was that this feeling was always the strongest on the main level which was where the mirror always was, considering my friend had decided to keep it in her parents' bathroom, which was on the same level. Now, to go along with this unpleasant feeling was the sensation that someone was glaring at me from the door of her parents' bedroom. Through whatever, I had the courage to look over in that direction. There was never anyone there. You could imagine that this never helped settle my nerves. These occurrences always remain similar to this during the day, which managed to make me way more quiet and timid than I normally was at that point in my life. But when the sun would set, things would only become worse. Back then, I would have frequent sleepovers at my friend's house, and we'd either slip into the basement or the living room on the main level. This is where I had uh, the more severe experiences when it came to the mirror. And these are the few I have never told anyone. I always started around 11 p.m. and wouldn't stop until 5 a.m. at least. The sensation of being glared at would wash over me and would come from the corner of the hallway that was hidden by a wall, almost as if someone was peering out from behind it. It would just remain that way as long as my friend was in the room with me. However, whenever she left it, it felt like it was being relocated itself behind the couch that I was laying on and was glaring down at me only to go back where it previously was when my friend came back into the room. Though once she fell asleep, which normally happened before I could, since I was so unsettled by the sensation of being watched, whatever it was would sit down in the chair that was across from the couch I was at and 
continued to stare at me. The only difference was now I could see its outline and occasionally it would mumble something that was too faint to make out. But for some reason I felt like it was directed towards me. I developed a habit of conveying or of covering my head with the blanket I was using to hopefully not be able to see it and get some sleep. Though whenever I did this I felt like it was standing in front of me. It would never leave at this point but just stay there. I couldn't necessarily see it, but I could feel it doing so. I never left until 5 a.m., and it always happened like clockwork. At this point, I was normally in tears thanks to my anxiety, and I wouldn't speak at all the next morning when we ate breakfast. For once again, I felt the all-too-familiar glare coming from my friend's parents' bedroom. I don't really visit my friend anymore thanks to the amount of terror that house leaves me in, However, we stay in touch thanks to social media and email, and it turns out that dear old Linda is still there. I don't know why she is, but she's there possibly waiting for me to return so she can once again fill me with the terror like all those nights before. However, as of late, I haven't been able to get the mirror out of my mind. It always seems to find a way to find its way back into my mind, and it has also managed to keep me up most nights because I can't help but wonder. Wonder why she's still there. Wonder who she is and what might be keeping her attached to the mirror. And for some bizarre reason, I wonder if there's anything I can do to help her move on. If anyone out there might know anything about this topic, I would really appreciate it because it might help everyone who's been been involved finally move on hopefully, for the better. I find it strange. You ever have something that just gets in your mind, something really obscure, and you can't like get it out of your mind? Mm-hmm. Kind of like how the writer, I don't know her name, mm-hmm. but how she just couldn't get the mirror out of her mind. Yeah. And it sounds like it had been several years. I wonder what the reason is that that's kind of resurfaced. It's like she's obsessing on the mirror. Yeah, but not like... Not like, I don't know, obsessing like, I have to have the mirror, but like... Like OCD obsessing, but... No, but just kind of like, for whatever reason, it just pops into her head. It's mm-hmm. almost like beyond her control. Like, and it, why is it showing up? I almost wonder if there is something paranormal going on there, being that it's a somewhat haunted item mm-hmm. it's almost like it's calling her well it's it's likely not necessarily the mirror that is calling her the mirror seems to be kind of a conduit for something right that's attached itself to the mirror that may be trying to get her to interact with the mirror because that's where it's home bases for lack of a better term mm-hmm. and by interacting with the mirror recognizing the mirror that can make it come out Okay. Usually those things don't end extremely well. No. It's kind of like that Annabelle doll. <laughs> yeah. If you will. You know, it's not the doll that's possessed or anything. It's the whatever is attached to it. Okay. So eh, it might be kind of a similar type thing here with the mirror. Okay. Just my gut sure. feeling on that. So 
I don't know. Take it for what it's worth. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. If you haven't already done so, please press that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to us on. That way you won't miss any episode of the show, and you'll help us grow the community. Just press subscribe right now. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever it may be. Press away. Nina writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. Heard your episode about the doppelgangers, and you asked if anyone else had experienced anything like this. Well, the story I'm about to tell you isn't mine exactly, but it does involve me. It also connects with my experiences at the haunted cinema I worked at for a good few years. The one with the shadow entity mentioned in a very early episode of yours. I remember that one. I do too. Because it's really early in the show is when I why I remember. It, you know, <laughs> it's like when you start doing something, you remember kind of the beginnings of things, mm-hmm. and then you get into it, and uh, my memory gets faded. It was the one where you try to ignore it and it wouldn't let you. Yeah, that was a good story. Yeah, continuing on, as you may remember, between 2004 and 2007, I was working as a cinema projectionist and had to do a lot of late lonely nights, with the exception of Thursday nights where we would double up the personnel to get the weekend's new movies made up and the ad reels sorted out for the morning. It was on one of those long Thursday nights that this event happened. I was paired up with my boss, and while he was taking care of the ad reels, I was making up the new films for the coming week. I finished one new print, and he asked me if I wanted to stay late and preview some of them to check for potential faults. Getting paid to watch the latest new releases was just fine by me, and I'm a night all anyway. So the fact that it would be getting almost 3 a.m. when I finished, it didn't bother me too much. So I laced up the film, invited some of the other staff to come and watch the film with me, and we settled in for the evening. My boss, meanwhile, was finishing up the ad reels. I was a good portion into the movie when I see my boss walking into the auditorium at a quick pace. Naturally, I look over, squinting into the darkness to see what he was doing. He looked visibly agitated and began to wave me over. My boss could be quite temperamental and the slightest thing would send him off on a rant to end all rants. So I immediately inwardly groaned and wondered what I had done this time. As soon as I near him, he asked me to step outside for a moment where he promptly disappeared out the emergency exit and began to fumble in his pocket for a pack of cigarettes, lighting one and taking a long drag. I'm still standing there wondering what the hell this is about because he looks, for lack of a better term, like he's seen a ghost. So I ask him, John, is everything okay? He then looks at me, sputters a little, then asks, you tell me. Were you in the lower projection corridor about five minutes ago? Now, I'm used to him being quite evasive with his questions. He'd do it with the uh, thinnest of uh, things to try to catch us out when he believed we'd done something wrong. This was very straightforward for him, so I shake my head and tell him no. He then takes another very long, very hasty drag of his cigarette Starts shaking his head, muttering something to himself nervously. So again, I ask him, what's this all about? What he told me creeped me out to say the least. In the light of what I already knew about the projection corridor, it pretty much cemented in my mind that whatever was down there wanted to mess with anyone who entered this space. I'll try to relate to you what he told me in his own words, as well as I remember them. He told me that he had been working downstairs 
placing the last of the ad reels and the features for the morning, when he'd actually seen me walk in, walk over to the table, and sit down on the edge of it, as I would often do, while waiting to start the next bunch of films. He added that at first he turned his back again and just asked me out loud, I thought you were proof-watching tonight. When he got no response, he turned around to ask again, but I wasn't sitting on the table anymore. He walked up and down the full length of the corridor, but there was no sign of me. He hadn't heard the door open and close, and believe me, you couldn't miss that sound. It was a heavy fire door, and would slam loudly whenever anyone passed through it. Not to mention the noise the coated lock would make when you punched in the sequential numbers. So I simply had to have been in that room somewhere. Thinking I had somehow found a way to prank him, he came back up the stairs to the auditorium to have a word, but when he saw how confused I looked at him, he realized that I probably had been upstairs all along. I reaffirmed that I really wasn't down in the lower projection corridor at all, after I'd said I was going to proof-watch that movie, and there were eight people who could vouch for me when I said I hadn't moved from the auditorium the entire time the movie had been playing. We both went home that night a little shaken, and I definitely wouldn't wrap my head around it. You couldn't wrap my head around it. Although, since I've been listening to your podcast, I noticed that shadow people seem to be attracted to negativity. At the time all this was occurring, I was, and still do to some extent, suffer from extremely bad depression. And at that point in my life, I was making the transition from university to professional working life. It sent my anxiety skyrocketing, and subsequently what followed was a deep depression. Many of my down moments would come to a head while I was at work because it was one of the few times I was left alone for long periods of time. I wonder if that somehow attracted the entity to me. That said, it bothered other people who worked there too. Those who seemed quite jovial and happy people, so who knows. I'm just glad I never came face to face with myself, as it were. So glad the show is still here. One year on, we'll continue to listen and hopefully become an EPP as soon as I get my holiday bonus. Keep up the good work. Nina. If I remember right, she's not the only one that had issues with something in the theater other than this incident from her previous story. Yeah. That it would bother other people. So she may have kind of had a little spike in activity with the Mm -hmm. depression, but I don't know that it was just picking on her. It may have just been a spirit that decided it was going to pick on anybody and everybody. Yeah, I I could see that. What I'm wondering when you have things like this where it may be a doppelganger or something is is there something that exists just in our normal world just energy wise as far as we have the stories of residual hauntings Mm -hmm. you know of a ghost or a former person doing a action over and over and over in a certain location do certain locations lend themselves to essentially picking up the activities and replaying them over and over without discretion for if you're living or if you're dead? And what I mean by that is, for example, uh, the story I've talked about a couple of times, a woman carrying the baby up and down the stairwell behind the apartment I had when I was 18. Did that event occur the event of the woman carrying the baby up and down the stairwell, people seeing this happen when she was alive 
and when she was dead? I don't know. You know, like, it suddenly becomes a haunting once the person is deceased. Mm -hmm. The same with this story uh, of he saw her go and jump up and sit on the bench. He said she does that frequently. Maybe some people exude so much energy, and it's like just things lining up correctly. People that are exuding a lot of energy and emotion, because I think some people do that more than others, in the right atmosphere Mm -hmm. to be conducive to picking it up and replaying it for whatever reason. Almost like magnets, if you will, somewhat. You know, bouncing it back and forth. So, are you suggesting doppelganger activity may be like a living residual energy? I'm not saying all doppelganger activity. I'm just saying in some places. Sure. I'm just saying that uh, are residual hauntings really ghosts? Or are they simply an actual phenomenon that we don't understand yet? That have nothing to do with paranormal as we think of this is the actual energy of the person. Mm-hmm. Or this is the actual consciousness of the person doing this. Rather, it's simply a reflection. Like, when we look into a mirror, essentially, mm-hmm. you look into a mirror, that reflection in the mirror is not conscious. You know, it's not going to do its own thing at sure. any point in time. No matter, and you stick another mirror up, you can reflect that, you know, a bazillion times until you can't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. All those reflections are not conscious entities. But you see it. It's there. Is this really just some sort of unknown vortex in our world, if we will? That's probably not even the right term of just energy that just simply replays itself. Like with this case here. 80 years from now, is somebody going to be in that theater and say, this woman came and sat on this counter? And they're going to have no memory of who this woman is or why she's there. This guy knows it because she's he works with her and she does it all the time. Sure. You know, for whatever reason, do some things just kind of stick into the energy fields and just replay themselves? And it's not a ghost. It's just a natural thing. I don't know. The only reason I lump residual hauntings in is because the participants have long been dead. But I don't look at them like the intelligent entities where Mm -hmm. it's like they can do things or they can come back to help people cross over or stuff like that. Sure. So I just, I looking at them that way, I find them a lot less threatening. So in my mind, I kind of lump them in a different group. But I see what you're saying about... I'm wondering if how many old, like old time residual hauntings where we mm -hmm. see like really old people, you know, or people from different eras showing up. If they're really not... It's not necessarily haunting. It's it's an actual energy field or something just in a continuous loop. I don't know. You know? I mean, it's an interesting thing to think about. I'm not trying to be crazy here. No, I just had a funny thought of places that are notoriously haunted come and experience our residual energies, you know, <laughs> as a new way to... A therapy. ...get people to come in and oh, sure. not be afraid. Yeah. I don't know. It's not a haunting. It's a residual energy and spa. <laughs> Come see Savannah <laughs> exactly. over and, and over, over again. And over. Exactly. It's like Groundhog's Day. Cypher writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. First, I have to say I enjoy your podcast and all the true ghost stories that come along with it. Uh, thank you for letting us share our stories with people around the world. You are welcome. And people on the other side of our world. Literally. 
Are you talking about the dead ones? Yeah. Shout out to Sarah. Exactly. She's listening. Exactly. So before I share my story, I'd like to give some background on the situation. I live in Fresno, California, and the next city over is called Clovis. Both cities are fairly close, but one has a haunted mansion called Wolf Manor. An Italian immigrant, uh, Atlas Constantine, not his real name, originally built the mansion in 1922 as a private residence. The construction of the mansion took both time and money to complete without any help from modern technology and tools. According to historians, uh, Atlas uh, was, uh, who later changed his name to Atlas Johnson, oh, his, his other, other name was much more cool. <laughs> Atlas Johnson. He really Americanized it, didn't he? Built a lavish 8,000-square-foot home and a, a desperate urge to keep up with the Jones. There were murals on the ceiling and the basement had a swimming pool. The mansion also included the magnificent ballroom and five bedrooms. The grandeur of the home proved to be beyond Atlas's means, and he became financially decimated soon after breaking ground. The house was lost in 1926. Atlas died at the age of 36 of cirrhosis of the liver. In 1935, the mansion acquired new ownership and was transformed into the Hazelwood Sanitarium. The mansion was now a place to help treat people with terminal illness. During this time, many people died in the sanitarium of tuberculosis. Interestingly, both death and life occurred during this time. In 1942, the mansion changed hands and became the Clovis Avenue Sanatorium and Coffee Bar. No, <laughs> in the 1950s, it became licensed by the Department of Mental Hygiene. There were rumors of patients lying in the hallways naked or being tied to a toilet or bed. Also, at one time, there were 20 patients to one nurse. It kind of sounds like the uh, Cropsy house out there in uh, New York. Is it New York or New Jersey? Uh, it's one of the two. Okay. I forgot exactly where it is. I think it's Long Island. I could be wrong. Someone will correct me on that if I am. But uh, great uh, documentary. Continuing on. There was so much overcrowding that uh, in every nook and cranny, there was a bed. Talk of suicide and murder also surrounded the manor. The basement was a temporary body storage where up to eight bodies would be stored until someone came to pick them up. Granted, health standards were not as high as they are today. Still, those devastations are now considered a black spot on Clovis history. Moreover, many people believe that uh, they are the cause for the paranormal activity. In 1992, the Clovis Avenue Sanatorium was shut down and Manor closed indefinitely. The last owner, Mr. Wolf, took the mansion in 1996 and made it a haunted house attraction. Jesus. Could you imagine? Be a perfect place for a haunted house, but Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quick turnaround. Yeah. Uh, he named it Scream If You Can, which lasted until 2004. Mr. Wolf never lived in the house, just used it as an attraction. After it was shut down, many paranormal teams like Ghost Hunters and others came to survey the house to find out it was a paranormal breeding ground. Ever since its closing, closing, police have been receiving strange phone calls from the mansion and always sending a cop car to investigate to find no one home. The department could never figure out how the house sends calls in the middle of the night with no one present. Finally, to my story, 
as I stated, I lived in Fresno at the time, and I was attending college. I joined a fraternity in 2009, my sophomore year, and can say I truly enjoy every every moment of it. It was one night around 9.30 on a Sunday, and we were tired of partying and wanted to do something different. I knew that there was a haunted house in the next town over, and I always wanted to check it out. I overheard brothers, fraternity mates, talked about going one time and was scared shitless. Two brothers went to the house one night and were throwing rocks at the house. I'm guessing that they were extremely bored or drunk. I don't know for sure. They kept throwing until they noticed that the rocks were being thrown right back at them at such a force. They darted from the house and they said that they believed that something was truly there. So at the time, I truly did not believe in ghosts at all. I wanted to go see for myself, so I decided to take four others with me. My friends Syria, Jacob, Chambers, and Alan. Syria was in part of the fraternity, just a friend who hung out with us. We all jumped into my car, traveled down the dark streets of Fresno towards Clovis. We were all excited to go to the house and just have this awesome memory together. As I finally got to Clovis, I lowered the radio, which was playing Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake, to see a passenger side that the house stands there, all in its darkened beauty. The windows are boarded up, the trees swayed side by side as if that was the house's arms. It looked so lifelike in its mass darkness that I started to get a tad bit freaked out. I passed the house and parked my car in the neighborhood behind the house. We all Went to get out of the car and made a long track across the parking lot to the house. We passed by all the closed businesses. We passed the gun shop and Chambers makes a joke saying we may need to break in and get some guns to protect us from the ghosts in a sarcastic tone. Finally, we made it to the brick wall and that's when I started to get more anxious. We all decided to, who was going to hop over the fence to make sure that the coast is clear. Alan and Chambers decided to go over while Syria, Jacob, and I stayed behind. As we waited, we can hear them moving around in the backyard of the house and making sure that no one was inside. Cars passed in the street while we stand under the street lamps, making us seem like we were up to no good. The night was full of stars, and we were. It was a nice little breeze. It wasn't cold by any means, but out of nowhere, I got the chills. Meanwhile, Chambers goes to the back door to find that it was unlocked. He yelled over with so much excitement, Hey, the door's unlocked, guys. That we didn't go in, he closed it right back and started to walk back to the wall. Ellen couldn't find anyone around and decided to meet up with us by the wall. Ellen said, You guys can come over now. I searched up and down the yard as we all started to head over to the wall out of nowhere. I hated that Chambers asked this question, but deep down I'm glad he did. Chambers yelled out in all of his cockiness, If this house is truly haunted, please show us a sign. Right after he said those exact words, every light in the house turned on as if we alerted the residents. The place lighted up like a Christmas tree. The second floor and the first floor lights just shined through each window as if the house was waking up. We th- uh, three saw that uh, we were over the brick wall already, darted for the car while the others two hopped over. I turned around to see the guys coming right behind us. I was glad they are safe. But then I looked at the house to see that it looked like it was following us. 
as in the lights were like searchlights, searching for their escaping patients. We finally made it to the car, and Syria was yelling in my ear, Hurry up, let's go! The car started up, and we made our way back to the house, since there's... Since there is one way to go back to Fresno, I had to pass the haunted house. As I drove towards the house, it was still bright as the sun. I didn't understand why, but it was a huge eyesore. I kept looking at it uh, through the window and noticed the spotlight was following my car. That's when I truly got freaked out. What could be inside that house to be following my car so closely? I couldn't wait to pass it and go home. Just when I passed the house finally, every light in unison turned off. That made the hairs on my back go straight up. Everyone in the car was screaming and it made it hard for me to concentrate, so I decided to pull over once we hit Fresno. We got out of the car and we all took a deep breath. Once everyone was fine, Jacob said something that will haunt me for the rest of my life. He told us that the house shouldn't even have had electricity at all. It's off the grid. The house could have been set up to catch people from breaking in the house at night by Wolf installing sensor lights, but if that was the case, why did the lights turn on at the right moment instead of when my friend was going up and down the yard? Was it truly off the grid or was it just, uh, Jenny doesn't believe in this word, coincidence, that it turned on right then and there? I truly don't know, but that was just too close to call. The house no longer stands in Clovis due to the fact that a financial obligation was not met with Mr. Wolf. The mansion was bulldozed in November. Sorry if that was a long story, Tony and Jenny, but I have other stories about a constant demon man shadow person that I believe followed me home and her haunted fraternity house that I'll write in later, hopefully shorter. Have a happy new year. I have to think that if it was an alarm system set up to go off with motion, that it would have gone off when the first friend went up to the door. Yeah, that would be the most logical thing. Cause that's, what, that's exactly what I was thinking of, too. Because he actually opened the door and then closed it and came back. It wasn't until the smart ass in the group decided to say something that the lights came on. Yeah, I mean, those things are not triggered by being a smart ass. At least as far as I know, they're not yet. But it's kind of reminiscent of the Monster House movie. It kind of is. Because that house even made calls. Yeah, it did. It did. I mean, I was I was shocked when he said like all the lights went on and everything because naturally places like that would be off the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you do have to have some, you know, minimal form of power there depending if you are having security alarms, you know, on it. I know there's one creepy, we've talked about this before, the creepy house in my hometown that... Right. Has sensors on it that calls the police because people try to break into it. And for whatever reason, it's heavily guarded. And it's, I don't know why, it's just totally bizarre. Uh, but there's some sort of electricity there. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably not enough to power the entire house. No, and all the lights wouldn't flip Yeah, on. I mean, or, or would the house even have lights? That's the other question. Right. Why does the house have all these lights? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's been abandoned for so long, I mean, I don't know, just, you know, weathering and things of that nature, it, those things go away quickly. They yeah. they burn out, they get damaged, they pop, they burst with cold and hot and I don't know. That That's a, it, it truly is a monster house story, isn't it? It is. 
It is. That's exactly what yeah. I thought of. Not to compare it to an animated no, movie. No, I mean, I'm you know, it, it was a pretty fun animated movie for kids, but it, it really is kind of along those lines. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Let's do a call before we wrap up the show at 855-853-4802. Hi. Try again. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is Ella, the crazy cat lady in Chicago, calling you from the road again. Um, I have a, a short little story about my father. Nothing you can really put your finger on. After my father passed away, I purchased the house from my sisters, and my daughter and I moved in there. We had lived there, there before that, and I had gone away to uh, college, and, and he died while I was still out of town. Um, and my daughter and I both... Uh, noticed at the same time, but we, we we didn't mention it to each other. We only talked about it later. Both of us would hear my dad downstairs in the middle of the night, sort of. Um, obviously, this is after he's passed, and sometimes he couldn't sleep at night, so he'd get up and he'd put on something boring on TV like Rush Limbaugh or Larry King or somebody. That would put me to sleep. I know that. <laughs> um, and he... Um, so you would hear, it sounded like the TV was on downstairs, and you could hear just someone talking, but nothing distinct. You couldn't make out any words. And he had Parkinson's toward the end of his life, so he had a particular shuffle. And you could hear, it sounded like he was down there walking around in that. And I never went down there when I heard him, not because I was afraid, just because I felt comforted, and I didn't want to scare him away, so to speak. Uh, I think my father was very sensitive and because um, any, anything like any scary stuff like he couldn't even watch the Twilight Zone it would freak him out um, so I don't know what all he has seen in his life because he would never tell us but um, I think it was just him down there keeping an eye on us and then we both noticed how the subject came up was um, after my born my daughter and I were talking about it and and she had said, you know, I haven't heard him down there for quite a while. And I said, you know, I haven't either. And I think that's my grandson. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but he's said and done a lot of things to confirm my beliefs in reincarnation. Um, so that's the one story. And then you were talking earlier on a different show about um, teen girls in particular and why they're seem to be drawing this um, paranormal activity to them. I do have a theory about that. And um, no one knows exactly when the soul enters the body, the soul meaning what makes this individual an individual. And um, I think um, because the, the girl, the woman, is the one who carries the infant, and her body is the vessel through which the soul would enter the unborn and become a person. And I think in their early teen years, the girl's body is preparing to open up to the spirit world or whatever, you know, uh, however you put it, to, to receive the spirits for the children that she may produce and I think that just opens up more doors or sometimes there's more activity and I think that's why it's more prevalent in the girls rather than the boys in their teen years so well that was just my theory on that and 
it's around Christmas time for Merry Christmas, and I'll call you back later with some better stories. Okay, bye. You know, I think she's got a pretty good theory there. I think it definitely has to do with the onset of puberty. Well, yeah, yeah, that it's exactly where it all begins, and it probably may very well have something to do with what she was describing there. It kind of makes sense if you're believing in the spiritual realm, which we're pretty much what we talk about every day on this show. Right. So that uh, that would make logical sense, thinking along those lines. What do you think about the first part of her story, about hearing the shuffle of her elderly father after he's gone, you know, and and being comforted at comforted by it and not needing to go and see him down Mm -hmm. there. Would you ever be able to, if there was a ghost and you knew who it was Mm -hmm. and you knew they were in the other room, would you go and see or would you just be like, ah, I know who it is. I'm good. I don't know. I I think I'd be way too intrigued to... I mean, unless it became like... Here's how I'll state this. The first couple times I'd have to go see. Okay. I just would. Um, if I then got that basically confirmed to me of I, I knew who it was or if every time I searched I saw nothing, it just ended that way, um, I would then be okay with hearing it repeatedly and being like, okay, I know what that is. Okay. And I wouldn't have to go keep seeing it. But certainly the first couple times I would be very curious and could not just sit there and be like, ah, I think that's probably what it is. <laughs> you know? I, I just, I'd have to be like that. You? No, there's things you can't unsee, and I'm afraid of going and seeing my loved one in there and be like, I can't unsee that. What if it's a good thing? What if it's me farting in the bathroom, and I'm dead? I mean, you obviously have... All of a sudden, you're like, oh my God, I used to hear that every day. It's not comforting in life. (laughs) Why would it be comforting in death? Because I'm there again. No, I think I'd be more upset that you hadn't gone to the light, especially since that's all we talk about. You, of all people, should know. How did you not figure out to go to the light? Because I've told you a thousand times I want to haunt people. Jesus, Tony, can't you take directions even in death? No, no, because I I want to haunt people. That's my goal. I'm setting... You know what I want to do. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, I'll hit the light. I'll know to go to it at some point, but well, I can haunt. I'm going to haunt. You'll get bored easily, and you'll go to the light pretty quick. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You can't like go online or anything. No. <laughs> there you go. That's another episode of the show. If you uh, want more real ghost stories, we got them for you for our EPPs. You can become one at realghoststoriesonline.com. Right now, when you sign up, you get instantly get 19 bonus episodes emailed directly to you. Sign up right now, realghoststoriesonline.com. Five bucks a month, you get all that bonus stuff, and you keep our show alive. That's really what matters most. So thank you so much if you already are an EPP. If you're not, please consider supporting the show and keeping the show a-going well into 2015. So for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.